Invisible Man, Chapter 14 The odor of Mary's cabbage changed my mind. Standing engulfed in the fumes filling the hall, it struck me that I couldn't realistically reject the job. Cabbage was always a depressing reminder of the leaner years of my childhood, and I suffered silently whenever she served it. But this was the third time within the week, and it dawned on me that Mary must be short of money. And here I've been congratulating myself for refusing a job, I thought. When I don't even know how much money I owe her. I felt a quick sickness grow within me. How could I face her? I went quietly to my room and lay upon the bed brooding. There were other rumors who had jobs and I knew she received help from relatives. Still, there was no mistake. Mary loved a variety of food and this concentration upon cabbage was no mistake. Why hadn't I noticed? She'd been too kind, never dunning me, and I lay there hearing her. Don't come bothering me with your little troubles, boy. You get somebody by and by. You'll get something by and by. When I would try to apologize for not paying my rent and board, perhaps another rumor had moved or lost his job. What were Mary's problems anyway? Who articulated her grievances, as the red-headed man had put it. She had kept me going for months, yet I had no idea. What kind of man was I becoming? I had, ta- I had taken her so much for granted that I hadn't even thought of my debt when I refused the job. Nor had I considered the embarrassment I might have caused her when should the police come to her home to arrest me for making that wild speech. Suddenly, I felt an urge to go look at her. Perhaps I had really never seen her. I had been acting like a child, not a man. Taking out the crumpled paper, I looked at the telephone number. He had mentioned an organization. What was it called? I hadn't inquired. What a fool. At least I should have learned what I was turning down, although I distrusted the red-headed man. Had I refused out of fear as well as resentment? Why didn't he just tell me what it was all ab- Why didn't he just tell me what it was all about instead of trying to impress me with his knowledge? Then from down the hall I could hear Mary singing, her voice clear and untroubled, though she sang a troubled song. It was the backwater backwater blues. I lay listening as the sound flowed to and around me, bringing me a calm sense of my indebtedness. When it faded I got up and put on my coat. Perhaps it was not too late. I would find a telephone and call him. Then he could tell me exactly what he wanted and I could make a sensible decision. Mary heard me this time. Boy, when you come home, she said, sticking her head out the kitchen. I didn't even hear you. I came in a short while ago, I said. You were busy, so I didn't bother you. Then where are you going so soon? Ain't you going to eat supper? Yes, Mary, I said, but I've got to go out now. I forgot to take care of some business. Shucks, what kind of business you got on a cold night like this? She said. Oh, I don't know. I might have a surprise for you. Well, nothing surprised me, she said. And you hurry on back and get something hot in your stomach. Going through the cold seeking a telephone booth, I realized that I had committed myself to bring her some kind of surprise. And as I walked, I became mildly enthusiastic. It was, after all, a job that promised to exercise my talent for public speaking, 
And if the pay was anything at all like it, anything at all, it would be more than I had now. At least I could pay Mary something of what I owed her. And she might receive some satisfaction that her prediction had proved correct. I seemed to be haunting my cabbage... I seemed to be haunted by cabbage fumes. The little luncheonette in which I found the telephone was reeking. Brother Jack didn't sound at all surprised upon receiving my call. I'd like some information about... Get here as quickly as you can. We're leaving shortly, he said, giving me a Lenox Avenue address and hanging up before I could finish my request. I went out into the cold, annoyed both by his lack of surprise and by the short, clipped manner in which he'd spoken. But I started out taking my own time. It wasn't there. And just as I reached the corner of Lenox, a car pulled up and I saw several men inside, Jack among them, smiling. Get in, he said. We can talk about where we're going. It's a party. You might like it. But I'm not dressed, I said. I'll call you tomorrow. Dressed, he chuckled. You're all right. Get in. I got in beside him and the driver, noticing that there were three men in the back. Then the car moved off. No one spoke. Brother Jack seemed to sink immediately into deep thought. The others looked out into the night. It was as though we were mere chance passengers in a subway car. I felt uneasy, wondering where we were going, but decided to say nothing. The car shot swiftly over the slush. Looking out at the passing night, I wondered what kind of men they were. Certainly, they didn't act as though they were heading for a very sociable gathering. I was hungry, and I wouldn't get back in time for supper. Well, maybe it would be worth it, both to Mary and to me. At least I wouldn't have to eat that cabbage.' 